Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues on in his Bible series from the book of Isaiah with part two of his message entitled, The Wonder of Repentance. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Isaiah 63. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. The third point about wonder of repentance. The third point was the wonder of present repentance, not the wonder of past. It's the wonder of present repentance. And uh, we spoke about repentance and we spoke about confession and we now want to speak about petition, specific petition. And let's turn then to the book of Isaiah chapter 63 and 64. Let me tell you, you cannot solve problem by looking inward. That doesn't mean you shouldn't look inward. You should look inward and see how wretched we are. Abraham looked at himself and discovered that he is as good as what? Dead. So it is good to size up the problem. (laughs) And we cannot solve problem by simply looking outward either. They are nice people, but they cannot solve problem. One who is able to solve problem is one who dwells in his lofty palace, enthroned in heaven. Isaiah, the representative intercessor, prays in verse 15 of Isaiah 63, Look down from heaven and see from your lofty palace. Lofty throne, holy and glorious. Or, look at the petition. In 64th chapter, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, as he did in Exodus 19. There was the fire and the thunder and the lightning and the smoke, the trembling. So problem can only be solved by God coming down to us. Or look at verse 2 of chapter 64 as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. Come down. Look down. Come down. Rend the heavens. Nobody else can solve our problem. We are in dire situation. We are in exile. Or look at verse 5 of chapter 64. You come, you come to the help of those who gladly do right. You come. So you see, our problem is we look within and we talk to everybody else, but we don't do this. Oh God, look up. Only you can help us. So that is a specific petition. And then, number two, in verse 9 of chapter 64, Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. And we are told in verse 5, you were angry. And let me tell you, God is angry every day against a sinner. He is angry every day. The wrath of God is being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. God is angry. Because every sin is a defiance of a holy God. Every sin is as if somebody is spitting 
at the very face of God. So God's holiness comes out in its expression as anger and wrath. But here there is a petition. In the Hebrew it is, do not be angry to the extremity. The idea there is, if you are angry to the full measure, we will be exterminated. But this is a serious request. How can the anger and the wrath of God be satisfied? There is sin, there is guilt, and God cannot willingly forgive people. God is good and God is holy. God is love and God is holy. And so his holiness must be satisfied. But Isaiah understands that he wrote Isaiah 53. He has some understanding that somebody else has been punished. That the anger of God and the wrath of God were poured out on some substitute. Don't be angry to the full measure. If you do, we are finished. The full measure of God's anger lands us where? In hell, in eternal consciousness of our separation from God. In torment, in agony, in the fire. Oh God, spare us from this full measure. Turn with me to 54th chapter of Isaiah and verse 8. Here, Isaiah already said, In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. See, that is the basis of it. And the third petition is in verse 9 also of 64th chapter. It says, do not remember our sins. This is profound petition. And how can God not remember our sins? In other words, Isaiah is saying, forget about it. Forget about all our sins. And you know by now on what basis. Because he didn't forget our sins and they were punished in reference to another. That is the reason why he is praying this prayer. Because such a revelation was given to him before. Let's turn to 43rd chapter of Isaiah and verse 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions, wipes clean. When you study textual criticism, you notice that people wipe out what is written before to write new things. But there is a way to read it. You can go behind the text and read it. Especially modern technology allows it. But when God wipes out, there is no way to read it. It is all clean. It's all gone. Isn't that wonderful? So he says, I even, I am he who blots out your transgressions. Multitude of it. Notice, for my own sake. Not that you merited it. For my own sake, I'll do this. And then what? Remembers your sins no more. So this is a prayer based on God's own revelation. Oh God, you promised. Blot out my transgressions. And what? 
remembers my sins no more. Now, of course, David understood this. Let me read again from Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. It sounds pretty good. Oh, I like it. Or in the 51st Psalm, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion. What is it? Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. This is gospel. This is good news to every fallen human being. There is no other way to blot it out. No other way to wash it clean. No other way to plead for, what is it? Amnesty. That is the idea. What is amnesia? Yeah. And so that's what do not remember our sins. Oh God, forget our sins. Or look at Isaiah 44, verse 22. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud. And you see the cloud and you don't see the cloud. It is gone. Your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing for joy. Hallelujah. And so you should read Isaiah 53 to understand the basis of this amnesia and this blotting out and wiping away all our sins. No stain. It's all gone. And you sit there and you, I know in your mind you are thinking back. All the things you did. And as I speak this, you are saying, hey, it's all gone. It's all forgiven. The other day a woman called Laura Schlesinger. And she is almost weeping. Dr. Laura, is it morally right to tell my husband? That I had an abortion. A number of years ago. She said don't do it. Because it doesn't uh, help the situation. But what you should do is. Uh, take care of the kids. In a good way. And in other words. This is the Jewish work righteousness. Now partly it is right. But. Laura Schlesinger. Cannot deal with this issue. The Bible does. Because it gives you such pain that you have committed a murder and that's exactly what it is all the abortions committed in this country are committed by mothers it makes no sense but they found such rights and if you are hearing me I will introduce you to someone who is greater than Laura Schlesinger and who is Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross to wipe clean all that pain and all that guilt and all that misery, not only of this or any other sin that you ever committed, I will remember them no more. I swept them away like a cloud, like a morning mist. I blotted them out. 
Now I think, no wonder here we are told burst into song. Because you cannot rejoice when these things are weighing down your spirit. But Christ died for our sins. And what is it? Burst into song. Or turn with me to Micah and chapter 7. Verse 19, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. And somebody said, and there's a sign, no fishing. No fishing. Oh, God has forgotten And we have a responsibility. Don't bring it up. It is gone. It is forgotten. And Satan will come and will bring it to your mind. And then you say, no, it is thrown into the ocean of God's own forgetfulness. If he doesn't remember, then I shouldn't remember. And now, the final argument. Final petition. Verse 10 and 11 of 64th chapter. And this petition is based on the reputation of God. Oh God, if you don't help us, your reputation is at stake. You redeemed a people. And if we are destroyed, the nations will say that you were not capable of. This is a profound argument. It's been used before by Moses. Let's turn to the book of Exodus. Chapter 32, you know the story, they sinned grievously, and God wants to wipe out the entire people and make a nation out of Moses. Pretty good suggestion, if you have a big ego, (laughs) you say, "By, by all means do it. But listen to this great intercessor, Exodus 32 verse 11, but Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God, O Lord, he said, Why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Verse 12, why should the Egyptians say? This is the argument. It was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. Turn your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Your reputation is at stake. Because people would say that you cannot do it. Now, the same argument is in the book of Numbers when they sinned again. And God wanted to destroy them. Numbers 14, beginning with verse 15. If you put these people to death all at one time, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land. He promised them on oath, so he slaughtered them in the desert. What is the argument? Your glory, your reputation will suffer. Or turn to the book of Joshua. Joshua uses the same argument as an intercessor. 
Joshua 7, beginning with verse 6. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to say, Uh, To stay on the other side of the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say? Now that Israel has been routed by its enemies. The Canaanites, here is the verse. The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this. And they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. Now is the argument. What is it? What then will you do for your own great name? Now, this is a powerful argument because our salvation is necessary for what? For your glory. Because you have so identified with Israel. And if you don't save Israel from their misery, from their sin, your reputation is at stake. Therefore, glorify yourself by saving us. Turn then to verse 10 and 11. Of Isaiah 64. Notice the argument. Your holy cities have become a desert. Even Zion is a desert. And now the final argument. See, if you are a lawyer, you bring the argument. Bring the final argument with the full punch. And here it is. Our holy and glorious house, not temple, house, speaking about where God dwelt, where our fathers praised you, worshipped you, has been burned with fire. And all that we treasured lies in ruins. Oh God, you have to do something to defend yourself. True, we sinned. True, you were angry. True that you even let your temple be burned with fire. Rise up, O God, rend the heavens. Come down. Turn with me to Isaiah 62. Because he is interceding in this manner because that was his commission. In Isaiah 62, verse 6 and 7, I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, that is Isaiah and others, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest. Keep reminding him. Keep interceding. Keep knocking on the door. Keep praying. Give him no rest. (laughs) It's an interesting language. Till what? He establishes Jerusalem and makes her... The praise of the earth. That is speaking about God's people. Come and put the Humpty Dumpty together again. Only you can do it. Glorify your name through your mighty salvation of your people. So notice then. Final argument in verse 12. In view of all these things... Oh Lord, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent and punish us beyond measure? What do you think the expected answer is? 
No, 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 a thousand no. What Isaiah is saying, you will surely rend the heavens and will come down and help us who are waiting for you. We are destroyed, we are defeated, we are broken. Come down. Your holy and beautiful house is burned down and is a ruin and all we treasure are ruined. Your glory, O God, is at stake. You chose us. You delivered us. You brought us here. And our destruction will not bring glory to you. Your name is bound up with us. And we are bound up with you. Help us. And God responds in chapter 65 and 66 saying, I will come. And I will save you and I will destroy your enemies. God is bound by his own revelation. And he promises to save everyone who repents. Not everyone who atones for his own sins. Thank God. He promises to save everyone who repents of his sins. Everyone who repents, he will save. Everyone who trusts in the only one who was sinless, the only one who has not been rebellious, the only one who suffered and died for our sins, the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the only Savior of the whole world. Isaiah, as intercessor, prophet, prayed that God may rend the heaven and come down to help us. But the glorious truth is, in the fullness of time, he has come down in Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and he died among us, and was raised up from the dead among us. Christ died for our sins and was raised for our justification. With perfect justice, God now remembers our sins no more. With perfect justice, he forgives the sins of all who repents. All sins of all who repents. Oh, the wonder of the grace of repentance. He never closes the door on the face of a prodigal son who in repentance knocks at his door. He will open the door wide and grant him a rich entrance. Yes, God has come down in Jesus. He is coming to you now as you repent. He is coming to you at this moment. He comes to save you, to heal you, to give you rest, to put you together again, to forgive you, to cleanse you, yea, to embrace you and kiss you and receive you as his sons and daughters. Therefore, be healed, be saved. Let us rejoice And be glad, God says. For this my son was dead, but he is alive. This my daughter was lost, but now she is found. Let heaven rejoice and earth be glad.
I said, he has come. And he is coming. And he is coming to you. He is not asking you to atone for your sins. You cannot. But he is asking you to repent. And even that repentance he creates within you. Repent and be saved. Repent that your sins may be wiped out. And times of refreshing. Times of rejoicing. Times of celebration may come to you from the very presence of God. Heavenly Father, we pray, save, heal, comfort, strengthen, forgive, embrace, justify everyone who even now repents and turns to you. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah. Come back soon to hear more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.